Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome to episode 90 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me for episode 9-0 is my co-host, Matthew Aguilar. What up? Janelle Wheeler's back with us. Hey, guys. And over in the bad boy desk is Mr. Brandon Davis. Hello. The original Trinity member, back again from his uh, another long stint on the road. Well, good to have you back, buddy. Hey, thanks, man. Good to be here. And we brought Brandon back, and as usual, he's coming with some inside scoops. We're going to be talking about his visit to DC's Birds of Prey set. But before we get to all that, we have some new trailers to talk about, just some for some little movies that are coming out in 2020. First, we're going to be talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife. We finally got a look at director Jason Reitman's long-awaited direct sequel to Ghostbusters. So we're going to talk about that and the sequel to Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman 1984, also dropped its first trailer at CCXP. So we are going to talk about that as well. Plus, we also got to talk about Watchmen, new comics of the week. You know how it goes around here. So let's get started. Let's start at the top. Uh, let's go with Ghostbusters. So the trailer for Ghostbusters Afterlife is out. I'd say it's kind of safe to say it's not quite what we would have expected from a Ghostbusters movie. That's not to say it's a bad thing, but it is also to say that, in my opinion, it is a bad thing. So let's talk about that, because uh, I know that opinions from just hearing the warm up here are pretty split. I did not enjoy this trailer. I didn't really like it at all. I have watched it maybe like one and a half times. I don't really care to watch it again. Um, it's a very kind of, to me, as I told a friend, I, I saw what Jason Reitman has put together. It's kind of very somber. Looks like a little bit of a child coming of age story, discovery, a little bit of danger. I basically said it's Amblin. Amblin presents Ghostbusters on my Super 8 camera, the movie. Or no, Ghostbusting Stranger Things on my Super 8 camera, the movie. It's there it. Ghost yeah. Things. Yeah, it's yeah. Ghost Stranger things. Busters. Yeah, but I think that's even more too <laughs> limited. I mean, this looks like, it looks like every Amblin Entertainment movie from like the late 80s to 90s. Um, there's, a, there's a very Super 8 kind of angle to this with the Oklahoma setting, which I'll never understand why we're in Oklahoma for this Ghostbusters story. But hey, okay. But yeah, I didn't really feel... Like this is in any way a more accurate version of Ghostbusters compared to the female reboot. Like, I mean, this actually does the main character in this story is going to be another female Ghostbuster. So I don't understand how <laughs> people were like, yay, this none of that, because, I mean, this is still the story of a young female Ghostbuster. And this feels less like a Ghostbusters movie than that did to me. It just makes me kind of wonder, like. Do people really remember what Ghostbusters was? <laughs> like, Ghostbusters was a very 
adult themed comedy when it came out. Mm -hmm. It's a kind of dark comedy. I mean, there's all kinds of jokes about, you know, banging ghosts. One of the key (laughs) lines of that movie is this man has a small penis, like (laughs) to the mayor of New York. Yeah. But also kind of this is when PG was very different. Yes. Mm -hmm. Also in the original trailer for the original Ghostbusters, it was presented as dark. Yeah. We didn't even know that it what it was going to be back. I mean, if you go back and watch the first trailer for the first movie, it was actually dark like this. It was creepy yeah. and it Good wasn't point. as humorous and things like that. So maybe there will be more humor, hopefully, fingers crossed. I mean, even just a little bit of cheekiness would be nice. Um, but I completely hear you on this kid, I guess, lead character because we are going to lose that that really like flirty, goofy fun vibe. Um, I'm currently playing the video game um, that came out, Ghostbusters, and it is so much like the movies. It's like the next movie in the series when you're playing the video game. So it's very hard for me to um, like love anything besides what I'm currently in right now. Everything, we have all the lead characters. It's basically the story just going on. Our favorite characters come back. Our favorite ghosts come back. So I'm very excited to see where it's going to go. I'm not as negative as you, but now that you're saying this, I'm starting to like get a little scared. I think the trailer was actually pretty good, although I don't think it's reflective of what the movie will be. Yeah, you nailed uh, which it. Which is smart. I think like mm-hmm. uh, think about like Avengers: Age of Ultron, how dark the first trailer for that movie was, yeah. and then think about the movie, and it wasn't a dark movie at all. It was like a funny action, like any other Marvel movie for the yeah. most part. Uh, and I think that's where we're gonna like the scene with Paul Rudd, where he says like, "Oh, it's a ghost trap," and like I think he, there's gonna be laughs there. It's not gonna be dark and heavy like yeah. the trailer yeah. frames it. You don't hire Paul Rudd to be super serious, serious the whole yeah. movie, but the reason it's super smart, I think, is because no one's asking for another Ghostbusters movie. I didn't mind the last Ghostbusters movie. I laughed a lot while watching the last Ghostbusters movie. I don't really, it's not a memorable movie, but it's not a movie that I look back on and say, it's terrible, it shouldn't have happened. Yeah. So, But that's like the Terminator movies right now. Nobody's asking for them. So they're not going to make much money unless you find a way to make it super different. That's yeah. Terminator true. Dark Fate was pretty good. Yeah. It wasn't super different, yeah, and, and nobody really went to see it. So unless you market this as different, like nobody wants a Ghostbusters and it's movie really, right now. It's like definitely hitting on the Stranger Things vibe for sure. Yeah, which it's is hitting totally on what's popular right and what's yeah. working yep. right now, and it's making it different. It's a good trailer. The whole time I watched it, I was waiting for the music to start. Like I thought, Me like All right, at some yes. point they're gonna flip the script and it's gonna be funny and we're gonna get excited. And see, I didn't want that to happen. I think you hit on it though. I think the first, I remember the first trailers came out for the 2016. Reboot and they were full of gags, yeah, funny jokes, and it dudded. Like even the trailer, I remember the reaction to that trailer. Now take the sexist, you know, idiots out of it. Like yeah, the whole, there was a like, lot of bad the, that stuff. I don't, that. I don't care about. Like you're an idiot. I, I don't want your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> what I care about is like the substance of the like. Hey, the humor is not spot on. The jokes are falling flat. You right. have four really funny leads, and somehow you can't get a trailer to like be cohesive on a on a funny level that's that's an issue right that's it a probably problem. is the maturity thing like thinking about it you know because they didn't make like any sexual yeah. jokes or anything in that version of it but and then this trailer does the complete opposite which when i didn't need the music now i also come at this from i am not the most hardcore ghostbusters i'm fan. a big fan those so. two movies were fine i don't hold them as like these classics of whatever so i don't come at it from like I need this to be yeah. that. I don't need this to be that. What I needed was something to hook me. I, I'm the one that needs to yeah. be hooked to care about a Ghostbusters movie. And for me, when that 
when that music starts before the like car reveal and like he goes in like it hit just enough of this nostalgia points for me and then when he when the car comes out and you hear the siren and you hear all that stuff it's just enough for me yeah i'm curious about the mystery i'm curious about the you know 30 years i think right like Mm -hmm. 30 years later thing and like visiting all that stuff for a fan like me that's going to be interesting to see it through someone news eyes because i don't have this like reverence for for me even further on what you're saying i think i'd be more interested if this movie was the same exact trailer and not a ghostbusters movie because i think the it being a ghostbusters movie is what set my expectation for the levity and the music Mm -hmm. yeah and then i think my experience of watching the trailer was an expectation of that. And then it wasn't that. So I was like, that was so weird that you guys watched me watch the trailer. And yeah. I was like, this is a weird trailer, but I think it's a pretty good trailer, but as a ghostbusters movie, I'm very intrigued that I don't. Yeah. I watched it like three in a row. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 mean I hear what you guys are saying. I don't, I don't feel the same way. I feel like there's nothing in this trailer that hooks me. If it's not a Ghostbusters movie, I would not even give this a second look. I'd be like, yeah. enjoy Oscar season. I'll see you like if you make it. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that too. The like, Ghostbusters, what like? Did you just say Oscars for Ghostbusters? No, I'm saying if this wasn't a Ghostbusters movie, <laughs> oh. the way that this trailer is presented, I'd be like, okay, this is like an award season movie. Like whatever, enjoy your drama about family discovery or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't be interested. There's not a thing in this that hooked me. None of the characters really hooked me. I I don't find anything. I mean, Paul Rudd's there and I'm happy about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Paul Rudd brings yeah. laughs and, and good He's times. Mm-hmm. But, uh, push a button on his thumb and shrink. Yeah, but like <laughs> nothing about this hook is there. I don't know these new characters well enough. This setting is very weird to me. Like in the middle of Oklahoma, a small town, I'm not like itching yeah, to go hang that. out there. <laughs> yeah, I um, hope they explain that too. Nothing yeah. really exciting. Uh, yeah, and like I said, there's not a single character in this that made me go oh, I want to see more of this person. And, and it's a talented cast. Finn Wolfhard and uh, McKenna Grace, Gary Coon. Mm-hmm. Those are all really talented performers. And I'm sure if we see more, maybe I'll get that hook. But they really, to me, need to kind of bring in the hook of like, how does this new story connect to the old Ghostbusters? How do those guys factor in? Yes, please. What kind of humor are they going to bring to the table in that spice of the original film? Because the original Ghostbusters film is... Well, it's not like my most beloved. It is a cult classic to me. I mean, it me was, it's a, you still remains now like one of the most unique kind of films mm-hmm. that was, that was made. There's nothing quite like it. And this, the angle just doesn't feel right quite yet. Now they did tease like those, some of those connections, but very briefly. Yeah. I, I mean, you just showed me, but you showed me Ecto one and Finn Wolfhard doing a tree, a teen driving fantasy. Like, yeah, but they showed you the old uniforms and you yeah, were in Egon's lab. Like, I mean, they did show. That's not things. a hook showing me ghostbusters, empty uniforms. I can go to a museum and see. I'm that. saying you wanted connections <laughs> to the old thing. Yeah. They did bring, those are connections to the old thing. I'm not no, saying they hooked. they're, they're not, but they're not what I'm talking about. Okay, that's like, fine, know, but that's there been an empty uniform is, not gonna invoke the old Ghostbusters for me. I need to see. I get it. The cast on there. I need to feel their riffing. I need to feel their. But presence. in my head, I saw that and went, "What happened to them?" That yeah. question is more interesting to me than seeing two old people making jokes that are probably so. Dated okay, and old. so hold on. Well, so so <laughs> like, I, I, hypothetically I speaking, when the second trailer for this movie drops, and it is funny, and it is, it's actually funny. Like everybody laughs at it. We agree it's a funny trailer, and. It shows you the original cast making those jokes and the music comes in. Are both of you going to change? You're not going to like it. And you're and Kofi, you're going to like uh, it. Are you gonna I, if it's done well, I'm going to like yeah. that. I'm not yeah. against that. I'm just okay. saying that's not what yeah, this I'm, was about. Yeah, I'm not with him, though. Like, I don't want the hook, the hook of what happened to the Ghostbusters. They got old. 
Like mm-hmm. some of them died. Well, That's they the actually answer. say in the trailer wow. that Ghostbuster or there are no ghosts. There haven't been any ghosts yeah. around in yeah, 30 years. Is. So, of course, yeah, they had to move on with their lives and have children exactly. and then make grandchildren. But I want to see that. That story yeah. is more interesting to me. Yeah, that, than just, yeah. And that's the cast. That's like finding out that Ray is a used car salesman or something now <laughs> and seeing Dan Aykroyd act that out. That's going to be funny. Yeah, like, I'm that's excited going to, be to see that. Yeah. Yeah. So you're kind of flipping. You would like no, to see I'm what No, I'm saying they're... the question of what happened to them. Yeah, like but I seeing said in the, the thing, original cast act out those storylines will be interesting to you. I'm saying this trailer, I don't need that from this opening trailer. What I needed was something, a question, an interesting hook. And for me, that hook was in here. Okay. And well, it wasn't in here. And, and I'm happy for you that you enjoy that. That's fine. And, you know, as a casual fan of Ghostbusters, I'm glad this hooked you. But I love that I'm just somebody who's like, here. <laughs> who's somebody who's been like a long time heavier fan of Ghostbusters. It didn't quite hook me. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to I'm episode 90 wrong. of the Comic I mean, Book not, Nation podcast. I'm not saying he's wrong. I made it clear that that is not my bad. Like I, all right, everybody's talking over everybody. Slow down. Slow down. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's just it. I mean, this one didn't sell me. And so like we're talking and we're and this exists in the context of several different trailers, big ones that have dropped in the last week. And for me, this is the bottom of the stack. I mean, that's just the way it is. We're talking about Black Widow, Bond, Wonder Woman in this. And yeah, this is my number four. I'd put this ahead of Bond. So would I. That Bond trailer was boring. Yeah. What? Uh Josh. Wow. I'm with you on that. That Bond trailer. I think Bond illustrated much more humor, teased much better action, this trailer teases what exactly? Okay, it teases better action, but at the same time, like and I, I at least am it, like I'm interested in the mystery. Matt's talking about a mission and like seeing like the spirit of these kids and whatnot in the Ghostbusters trailer. Bond, like I'm just like, well, that's a cookie cutter another Bond movie, and which is cool because I'm gonna watch it because I like and James again, Bond. Like yeah, I mean, and this is the thing I was gonna go into all this, but yeah, the kid stuff isn't Ghostbusters to me. Like mm-hmm. Ghostbusters aren't kids; they're scientists, they're grown men, adults. <laughs> and half of the fun is grown men, like actual scientists, who believe in the paranormal and how they have to kind of face a society that thinks that's all superstitious. You crap. need to promise me you'll play no. this video game because I anymore. just evidently think we'll that eat seems like up. your jam. Oh, no, I follow. <laughs> I mean, the video up. games have always been where Ghostbusters have lived. I mean, even as far back as like Nintendo's original yeah. Ghostbusters yep. game after the movies came out. So, like, yeah, I mean, I think this Ghostbusters isn't the hook that I was looking for, but we'll see what happens when the second trailer comes out. I'm not yeah. going to badmouth it too much because I know a lot of people are feeling it and they're happy with it. And uh, I want them to have those warm, happy feelings. <laughs> All right, moving right along to uh, something I'm going to be probably, again, it's going to seem like I'm sourpuss today, but I don't care. Keep you it real. Curmudgeon on episode 90? Yeah, I mean, who cares? No, I promise. He's in a great mood. We had a little uh, chit chat before. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm fine. I just don't like these trailers. <laughs> Wonder Woman 1984. Do better, studios. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean, Marvel's doing fine. I think uh, Bond did fine. But uh, Wonder Woman 1984, let's oh. move on. So uh, I will put out the disclaimer because I'm never shy about putting out this disclaimer that, you know, before I have already been attacked about this, like, guys, I was like one of the first people in the world to ever come out and say, like, the first Wonder Woman was going to be awesome after I took a visit to that in the editing process and came back and said that. And, you know, so I do support Wonder Woman. I do support Patty Jenkins. And I know they're capable of great things. I think the only thing I have to say about the Wonder Woman 1984 trailer is it's gorgeous about style. It really is. Mm -hmm. It's a gorgeous stylistic trailer. Um, I love the costumes. I love the lighting and kind of the production and all that stuff. But in terms of, and I know this is a teaser. Don't tell me the thing I already know. But like, yeah, in terms of the (laughs) substance, like I'm not there yet. Like it hasn't illustrated enough 
substance quite yet. I actually agree with you on this. There you go. Um, Out of all the trailers, I was least excited about this one. And I'm shocked because, number one, I'm obsessed with the 80s. The soundtrack was amazing. It looks beautiful. But I just couldn't really sink my teeth into anything. I was there was nothing that was really grabbing me in this trailer besides how awesome she is. I mean, and how great she looks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's going to hold true. Let me just say. Like, yeah, it's just a trailer. I think that Cheetah and Kristen Wiig is going to be good. I think Pedro Pascal is going to be really good as yes. Maxwell Lord and really kind of dig into that role. I think the fight sequences are going to be awesome again. Um, and like I said, there's a lot of style and stuff. And Chris Pine and Gal Gadot are going to still be riffing there I'm as well. so excited And I like the role him. reversal where he's kind of like the new one in society. Mm-hmm. And she's taking him through it this yeah. time. So I think that's all going to be great. But like, yeah. This one was just like a lot of like flash to me. Um, right. We just need a little bit more meat and we're excited. I'm excited to have that. So, I'm, it's going to be great. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I uh, not to make this a, a, a grief a fest, debate, uh, but uh, <laughs> I, I absolutely loved this trailer. Uh, but looking back on a lot of the trailers we received over the weekend and mm-hmm. like the ones we've received recently, this was the one, like I didn't go back and like rewatch. Yeah, like same. I didn't, I didn't rewatch it. And it looks Great. Like the sequence where she's got the lasso in the hallway. With the lightning. Phenomenal. I was like, I'm all about that. Yeah. I'm I'm all about the lasso with the lightning. Yes. She can literally she, like, ride circles, lightning. Like, yeah. There's so that many cool. cool things. What? <laughs> and like I I love that. And plus it looks so different than the last one because she had the sword and the shield. So you're gonna mm-hmm. get such a nice stylistic she's difference. She's playing Pokemon. Oh my god, that's the best it. reference. But like that all, yeah. all that stuff, and I'm I'm with you both. I think I have utter faith. I absolutely think this movie's gonna be great. But as a trailer, I it didn't get me any more excited than I was previously. Like it didn't like jazz me up all of a sudden to be like, oh, I've got Wonder Woman fever. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm just as excited as I was. I want to see oh, the full one. Point. And I'm just not you know, it's not the the one I'm most hyped about. I guess. I, right. I think it's interesting. I I really like the trailer. I yeah. think, it, and, and I'm usually the one who's like, I want to know more. Yeah. But I'm on the. I really liked it. It made me more excited for the movie. But I I do want to say, I, it's hard to. Look, I'm looking at it through a different lens, and I can't say what I saw because I signed my first child away. But I went to the set for this movie, and they told they we mm-hmm. I saw pretty good information, which I've never told any of you because I can't tell anybody anything. But anything. like I kidding. know a little bit about the movie, so having watched the trailer, <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of have context. That. So I think like maybe that that might have influenced yeah, my opinion because I thought, but the, I, I was in love with the style of the trailer, the mm-hmm. music. Yeah. And I was like ready to oh, dance. The music was and great. I, I was having a good time watching that trailer, and I was like, wow, this is really cool. But I don't know if I like I can't remove myself from like having the bit of knowledge that I'll be able to share yeah. whenever makes you sense. and Thanos just burden with knowledge. For perspective, <laughs> I, that makes sense. I, I, I get that. Burden I, I absolutely understand. But the, the, we went to the set for that movie like for perspective on this three days after I went to the set for Spider-Man Far From Home. Far From Home is on Blu-ray. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. This movie's seven months away. It's so oh my weird. gosh. Yeah, man. I've been great. keeping these secrets for way too long. I have a question. And I've I know a lot of people are wondering about this. Um, Cheetah, are we happy that they waited and they didn't show us? I mean, they always that, do. I mean, by or, now, like they don't show you a villain. But are you glad about that or are you kind of like frustrated that that didn't make an I, I think they could have shown me more. They showed Cheetah and Wonder Woman being like having cosmos and stuff. Like I think <laughs> they could have showed me a yeah. little bit more of the edge to okay. Like, show me at least the mug. Like that yeah. mug we saw, like CCXP or whatever. Yeah. At least show me that. Like I we got, don't get I any got shots vibes of, that. of like Aldrich Killian and Tony Stark in that scene. 
Oh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Or the beginning of Iron Man three. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I don't think Diana would do like a Tony Stark snub on somebody, but I do get like obsessed with Diana vibes, like maybe a little, mm-hmm. you know, like that yeah, same relationship. Like and then like when it doesn't go the way, the one who looks up to the person imagined they become the villain. I mean, okay, like the Incredibles. And I think that's, the, I think that's the hook that's teased here that I think they could have set up a more interesting conflict which is Maxwell Lord and whatever he's using to deliver these kind of wishes to people that brings back Steve. They loosely kind of connect that it, it reverts back to her getting Steve Trevor back yeah. somehow. And if they had just kind of clarified a little bit of that connection, I think the Maxwell Lord angle, this was to introduce, hey, we recreated the world of the 80s. Look at it. I think I would have been more interested in like, hey, here's this new villain and he's very charismatic and he's promising things, but oh, he's the devil. Like, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, I didn't think it smile. had enough of that. And I agree. How he was that so applies Trump to Diana and to Minerva and like both <laughs> was of them. Was he not? Was he, that? He's very Trump looking. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, I like, definitely oh get Trump. Like, he's the, the villain of the movie. Go back and look at, 19, it, it, look man, at photos of Donald Trump in the 1980s and like, yeah, that's not The hair, the suit, like I can give you better, like all, yeah. He's so the, yeah. I mean, this it's yeah, 1984. There's a lot of very on the nose reference, social political references in in this whole thing. So, so the Dark Knight Golden Child makes that look subtle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just FYI, we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah, that's being written up as we we're doing this. They just unveiled some new art, which. <laughs> yeah, I hope you if you're trying to tell me about your comic book movies not having politics, you need to go yes. check out what DC is doing over there right now. Oh, yeah, nah, your argument just fell apart. But uh <laughs> so so far I have I mean everybody has total faith in Wonder Woman. I don't think mm-hmm. any of us are like, "Yeah, it's going to suck." I'm like, no. I mean, I I I for Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot from the moment I saw that No Man's Land scene like roughly constructed, I was like, "Yeah, this is Wonder Woman." And I think this is going to be uh, a good one too. Um I just want to see more of that hook with Maxwell Lord because I think he'll be the real secret centerpiece to this that helps make all this stuff move really well. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we have a quick announcement about some video game matters before we deep dive into a bunch of the TV, movie, and comic book subjects we got to talk about, so stay tuned. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, Maddie. So uh, you wrote this in here, uh, Resident Evil 3. You I'm very it. excited for this. What? <laughs> what? What? I, I'm very excited for this. So uh, Resident Evil. So Capcom has been doing their like remakes of yeah. their iconic games. And Resident Evil 3 is like a personal. I love that game. First Resident Evil I played was for the GameCube. And it was epic. That's oh my four? gosh. I had that and I, I couldn't play it. I was too scared. It was, I was so I was scary. Fourth grade. It was oh, so you scary. I was too scared to play <laughs> oh, it. Oh, man. So you played that first Resident Evil on PlayStation. When you had, first. Because you had no idea that survival horror games even existed until those dogs jump through that window and you have to run to the end of that hallway. When you go into that attic yeah. and that giant cobra is, oh, yeah. is there. Oh, my God. Like, I, I ran back out of the room when that happened. <laughs> I went, yeah. no, and I ran back out. And then no, but uh, it's not a contest. Well, the PlayStation Evil. 2, the one where the guy like comes through the, the window when you're going down the stairs, that big dude with like the thing on his shoulder. I don't know, Creek Terror. Nemesis? Oh my with, like, God. The well, see, the awesome thing is that Resident Evil 3 is really the 
first game in this series that allowed the antagonist to come through walls. So you couldn't before you could go into a save room, you could go into a hallway and reset the timer essentially and the zombies couldn't get through the door. In Nemesis, I remember that first time when you walk out of the hallway and that dude busts through the wall and I I, takes you a minute. (laughs) Takes you a minute. And so they they've done Resident Evil 2 remake is fantastic. It's they redid all the visuals of course, but they also go in and like redo the levels and change placement and everything. So for the fact that Resident Evil 3 is not only getting that, but also Resident Evil Resistance, which is the uh multiplayer like weird kind of uh, D&D trap game yeah. is the multiplayer mode I love to Resident games. Evil 3. Oh, so you're going to get both. So you're getting both. So it's a trap game where like, you have to like sling out of your trunk and Yes, it is exactly that. <laughs> yeah. I love uh, trap games. And like, if you're curious, you can go to uh, combo.com and read up on my impressions of Resistance, but it basically has like one person acting as the person trying to kill all the survivors. And you're using cameras and you're placing enemies and doing all this stuff and the survivors have to team up to try and escape the room. Wow. So that's the multiplayer portion, and then you get the full-on campaign. Multiplayer online? Multiplayer online, yes. Nice. Uh, Okay, cool. I don't know if Couch is part of that, Couch Co-op or not. Uh, But So the fact that these are both united, I really came away jazzed after playing Resistance, and 3, I already love. So So what about consoles, availability, things like that? uh, It's going to be on all the major consoles. I do not know about Switch. Oh, uh, come on. But it's going to be in, uh, I believe... If it was on GameCube, we can get it on Switch. It's going to be April 3rd, 2020. April 3rd. Oh, it's going to be great. I'm stoked. So anyway, I was very happy this morning. So, all right. (laughs) That's Matt's plug for Resident Evil 3. He's getting that Capcom money on the side. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, (laughs) all right. So it's time to deep dive, as we tend to do. And uh, first up on our deep dive, we are going to be talking about this latest episode of Watchmen. We've been tracking this show uh, since its beginning, and we're coming to the end of season, hopefully just season one. But uh, yeah, so let's talk about A God Walks Into a Bar. So if you're a longtime fan of Watchmen, then one of the biggest things you know is the character of Dr. Manhattan and you know, his blue wing. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that got a major upgrade with the reveal that, uh, yeah, yeah, Abdul Martin. I love Martin. that you call that an upgrade. That's so great. I it mean, really it, was. It clearly was. I mean, they give you very clear visual proof in this. The boyfriend that, literally uh, shielded yeah, my yeah, eyes. Yeah. He was like, stop looking. I'm yeah, like, all right. It was uh, pretty... Uh, him and Jason Durello <laughs> have a competition going right now. But uh, Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. So... Jason, back to the real subject matter here. (laughs) So we get an episode, and this episode was basically the big revealing flashback episode to how our protagonist, Angela A. Barr, Sister Knight, met Dr. Manhattan and fell in love with him. And the episode is so brilliant because what it does is it literally kind of lays out and depicts for you how Dr. Manhattan sees time as one continuous thing and exists in all points of his Mm -hmm. life at any given point. And it's this brilliant thing where he just walks into a bar and is hitting on her as the primary action to get him, her to go out to dinner with him. And it's during a festival celebrating him. So he puts on a fake mask over his blue face and kind of walks into a bar, starts talking to her. And then it's about how their conversation back then in Vietnam kind of relates to where Dr. Manhattan is in various places later before wherever in time Mm -hmm. since then. So, and so it hops across time. It's very nonlinear and it connects so many dots that we've been seeing in the series so far about, you know, Angela's grandfather, Dr. Manhattan, like what's going on and kind of teases this big ominous thing that's going to happen for the season finale. And this episode 
I thought the Hooded Justice flashback episode would be the one, but this is an episode that makes me want to hold it up and say, okay, this is why this TV show deserves to exist. Like, this is how it takes the core story of Watchmen and really just deepens it and stretches it out for you to really be able to enriches the kind of ideas that are put forth in that book. So we heard in Watchmen about how Dr. Manhattan kind of sees time, but it was mainly just, there's a section of the book that goes through it, but it's one small section. It's like him making watches when he's young, then being disintegrated, his first girlfriend, and then thing, and this is all in that little contemplative moment before he goes to Mars and is like, I can't deal anymore. But it's a different thing to see it play out. And the show gives us some really kind of mind-boggling cause and effect ideas to play with that basically revealed because Dr. Manhattan exists in all places and all times and is having conversations across time, like things that are said to him or things that he can say back inevitably are what actually kind of changed the future or set up the future to be what it is. Mm Mm-hmm. Because we should yeah. also say because we get flack. Spoilers, oh, spoilers, yeah. spoilers, 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 spoilers. Now we're going to talk major spoilers yeah. for this episode. Because I mean, we really didn't spoil anything until no. just now. Say, yeah, so you if you're really... tuning in, like, don't worry. Yeah. We did not spoil it for you. So here's what we kind of learned now that we're talking spoilers. <laughs> um, yeah. So the galvanizing event of this whole series was Angela Abar's boss, the police captain, being hung from a tree. Uh, the suspected Seventh Cavalry, but if she finds out it was his, her grandfather using this device, the mind control device, the Cyclops clan agent, like, you know, group was developing. But what we learned in this episode was the only reason her grandfather went and saw this guy and found out that he had like a past with Cyclops and in the clan was because Angela asks Dr. Manhattan in the present, like when she wakes him up, you know, he's or he's talking to her in the past or he's talking to her grandfather in the past. And she asks him, he says, oh, I'm, I'm there with him right now, 10 years ago, talking to him. And she says, ask him about, like, why did he target him? How did like, he know he had a clan robe yeah. in, his, in his closet? And he asks him, her grandfather in the past while he's still having this conversation. He's like, what are you talking about? Who is this yeah, guy? Yeah, who is this dude? And now he's going to go yeah, on his and quest. She finds out that he killed him because she informed him through Dr. Manhattan in the past that he was the guy. Wow. Yeah. And so she basically set in motion all the events of the show, all these terrible events that are kind of like now unfolding. And it ends with her, with that realization of hers. And it's just like, yo, (laughs) mind blown. Yeah. Uh, But leading up to all of that, there's so much information that we get as well about everything that's going on. Yeah. Just all fits together. I'm going to let you tell everyone because you have this. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we learn like Adrian Veidt's like his whole storyline, like where he's been this whole time is Dr. Manhattan just made a copy of himself to distract people on Mars, but he really went to like a moon of Jupiter and he created paradise for himself and he filled it with an Adam and Eve who were the two people who took him in and got him his father out of Nazi Germany. Um, they raised him and, and introduced him to the Bible and all this stuff after he saw them having sex and like it was a whole thing about that. But he he made them the Adam of Eve of paradise and he gave it to he took Adrian Veidt there as a gift because mm-hmm. Adrian Veidt is depressed because he saved the world, but nobody knows it. And so he just slips into depression and, you know, <laughs> no glory, no glory for what he's done and he can't handle it. So he's like ready to give up when when so when Dr. Manhattan comes to him and says, do you want to go to paradise? He's like, yeah. And he goes. But then, of course, it, it eventually 
he realizes like this isn't paradise and, and it's he kind says of it's like, a prison. It's kind of like a payment, right? Because yeah. Vi- Adrian gives him yeah, the he mechanism. Yeah, he gives him the mechanism him- too. He can block his own memories yeah. and live as a human. And that's kind of like his yeah. payback is like in a good way. He yeah. me- he means well and well, Adrian he, thinks he's going to love he it. He does, but you also Dr. know Manhattan that knows he everything. knows yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. So he gives Vite what he what Vite thinks he wants and sends him there. And so he's been stuck on that moon of Jupiter because Dr. Manhattan forgot who he was for 10 years and became a human being <laughs> and has been living with Angela as her husband. And Veidt's just been stuck up here and like on this thing. And he's been looking on how to try to get out. And at the end of the episode, in a post-credit scene, this wild post-credit scene, he kind of gets his like weird horseshoe and a cake and he begins tunneling out of jail. And so he's setting up to kind of escape and get back to Earth because he basically says he'd rather be needed in on Earth with all the savages than in paradise and and just kind of wasting away. So yeah, so we figure out that Doctor Manhattan and it's and it's actually a really touching love story somehow. Like and he tells Angela straight up, like we're gonna have ten years together in what they call the tunnel of love because he describes it like I don't I can't see these ten years. Mm-hmm. I just know that I go into darkness and you're there and I come out and you're there again and that's all I know. She says that sounds like a tunnel and he's like and she's like joking like a tunnel of love. Because throughout the episode, she's in the in Vietnam. She's in the past. She's skeptical. She's like, I'm not going out with you. Yeah. yeah. This dude, like, you're crazy. Like, she doesn't believe this is Dr. Manhattan the whole time. Right. And so, like, sure enough, like, he comes out of it. And now they're getting hunted down by the 7th Cavalry. Who and he did warn her about that, too. Yeah, he said it ends in tragedy. It's and, a like, love she's story kind of like, yeah. and But so then he like, says, aren't all love stories, don't they all end in tragedy? And that is really deep because that's kind of true. You know, yep. they always end. And it's never really a Dropping happy Dropping truth bombs on Man. this show. Jeez. Unless you yeah. film on Louise, it Who like, yeah. You? It doesn't. <laughs> I'm very happy. You hurt? I'm in a love I mean, tunnel. Yeah, I mean, are we doing like a therapy session? I got some things to say, but uh, no. Uh, so like, yeah, and it's a very cute and it's like a very touching love story. So yeah. And so Angela's skeptical. And then the very last line of the episode is she's like, just F it. All right. I'll go to dinner with you. Like, whatever. Because mm-hmm. like, she thinks this dude is like, yeah, you know, at least funny. But uh, yeah. And along the way, you see what happens across their whole relationship because their conversations, again, jump across time. So he tells her, we're like, as she's asking him questions, she says, well, how do you know this about me? He's like, well, you tell me. And she's like, no, I didn't. She's like, well, you'll tell me six months from now. And then we go to that scene six months when they're like in bed and they're having a fight and then he says, I told you I, we'd be here and she gets all pissed off like, don't tell me like, ah, like, yeah, you told me we'd be here. Now we're here. And <laughs> she's like, keeps trying to avoid it. Yeah. Like, we're going to have a fight right now. And she's like, no, we're not. We're not having this fight. Like, blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, they he fight. just sits there and then like she spazzes out and she's like, ah, like we're fighting. And then, <laughs> and that's the end. She um, tells him to leave and she's yeah. like, do I need to say it? And he's like, yes. She's like, leave. <laughs> yeah. <and> so like, <laughs> it's a whole thing. And it's a very good episode about relationships and love and connection and all this stuff um but it ends with of course she tries to save him from the seventh calvary she goes on this like suicide gunslinger mission and nearly gets killed he steps out and just makes everybody's head explode and one of the greatest scene he's just standing in the middle of all these guys with guns and he just points to each of them and their heads just explode into blue mist <laughs> and then he she says like we changed it we did it and he's like nah sorry and then he gets blasted with his tacky on camera it's like he could have just turned around and blasted that guy too that i don't understand but he but he couldn't like that was the whole thing like he has he, to do what has he, it's not even has to it's not yeah. like he has a choice it is what is going to yeah. happen so like he takes even though them all he out. knows, yeah, yeah, and he knows Dang. it's unavoidable. So he gets kind of ripped away, and now they have him prisoner, basically. And so that was like the end of the episode. But again, like this episode, ta- like is justifies why the show should exist, how it takes the kind of ideas of Watchmen, stretches them out, and makes them deeper and more enriching. And yeah, it was. 
pretty fantastic. And the way it's cut together is pretty fantastic. I got to say, you got before. Dude, you know what it's like? You should watch this, Brandon Davis. It's like that stupid uh, Wait, Lost episode. It? It's like the constant. It's, oh, gee. You haven't watched it yet? Oh, my gosh. So, you're going to love yeah, it. Yeah, this is like the most lost thing since Lost. Like, <laughs> this is like the constant, only I would argue it's maybe slightly better. I saw the comparisons to the constant. Um, yeah. And Janelle, if you haven't watched Lost, by the way, I which started you're looking at it, crazy if you're not watching Watchmen, couldn't get into the constant it. is probably the best episode of that show. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely one of the best. And well, this is this I is, love your penny. I also hate flying, so like this one just is the first episode of, uh, of Lost yeah. freaked me out. Well, I, I gotta to give like you credit. just stare at the ceiling just now and not hear anything you just said. So if I do go watch Watchmen, which I probably will, good. It doesn't matter. Like half the joy of the show is the way they put it together and how each episode is like a really unique movie almost. and they're all like standalone like, yeah. yeah they're yeah. all so enjoyable and i started off watching the series not having read the comics or even seen the movie and i was still super into it yeah well and even knowing like i've been here with you as you guys like go back and forth and i've heard all the spoilers and it's only actually made me want to watch the series yes. more i was a little burnt out on Watchmen overall like oh we all coming were. into this like i i love the book yeah. i love doomsday, the movie this is no doomsday yeah clock. but yeah. like after trying to like get that down for a while i was like i'm done <laughs> like I'm, I'm done hbo find somebody with an hbo yeah count. it's on hbo and the button. Or buy your own. Yes. But this has made me want I'm to like, hear you guys like be some activate link. Yeah. <laughs> I will say also. Five to whoever hooks it up. Like it, in the movie, um, you know, obviously the entire movie is based around Dr. Manhattan and this blue dude's glowing and what's going on. He literally controls the entire thing. Think about the blue version of Dr. Like the main guy from the movie didn't even show up until the end of this first season. And it was standalone. Great. Even before he was even part of it, it yeah. had its own awesome take its own stories, all these other stories that made you care about all the other characters do. It's yeah. not just about him. So it's going to be one hell of a finale coming up. And uh, yeah, I hope mm-hmm. Watchmen comes back because it definitely deserves it's one of the best. Absolutely. It might be my favorite TV show of 2019. Me too. Yeah. It's mine for hey, sure. Up top. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> now to something Brandon Davis and Matt, Matt, Matt and Brandon, you guys are going to take us home. Yeah. yeah I get yeah. to do put down some Ooh, heavy I'll lifting. Take you home. First, we're going to talk about Birds of Prey. Before we get to Wonder Woman, we got to get through DC's Birds of Prey movie, which is actually growing on my anticipation list as I've learned more. The set visit Brandon did was very informative. Yeah. Um, we confirmed some things that I thought were very interesting, like that Harley Quinn is going to be a narrator of this, and there's a kind of a Rashomon element. If you don't know what Rashomon is, go look it up. You have Google. Is that a Pokemon? I'm just kidding. No, Sorry. please. No. <laughs> Had to. Um, please, stop. <laughs> well, I like uh, the Pokemon jokes in today's show. Yes. But it's going to be like a demented Rashomon. Shaman, which is Harley's the narrator of this movie, and so she's telling it in her view, yeah. which is going to be filled with some errors and some redos and some like fun storytelling things. That. And uh, yeah, so that was just one fact. But uh, Brent Davis, walk us through the set visit to Birds of Prey. Should we be excited? What did you learn? I'm gonna be honest; they really didn't tell us that much on the set. It was kind of like one of those set visits where they were like, "We're gonna keep everything a secret, but thanks for coming." Yeah, a lot of the quotes from were like, "Oh, this yeah. is so hard." I can't talk about yeah, it. <laughs> um, the movie comparisons were interesting. The unreliable narrator thing is interesting. Uh, they said it exists in a parallel universe to Suicide Squad, which kind of, I think, when you tie that together with the unreliable narrator thing, and we might be left with like a Joker question at the end. Did this really even happen? Um, but I don't know. I think it, I think a lot of it will be real, but then we'll just like get different versions of it. Like, no, 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 no. That didn't happen. This is how it really went. Stuff like that. It's got to be R-rated. I mean, they wouldn't like say for sure 
yes, this is R-rated. Margot Robbie basically said that. Like she talked about how she feels liberated and getting to push boundaries and stuff. We watched them shoot one scene, a three minute scene about from the end of the movie towards the end of the movie where all the whole gang is together. Uh, Renee Montoya comes crashing in with her gun and she's like, hands up. And then Harley Quinn isn't about it. And she calls her a mother effer and all that. I mean, like they're in the th- one take of this three minute scene, I counted the F word 16 times in one take, one wow. single take. Now there Jeez. were takes where it was less than that. And there were takes where it was more than that. Like it, it just seemed like they were just, what is given, this, a comic book lunchroom? It was just, they were just given <laughs> complete free reign to Props use to you for actually remembering and knowing. Oh, no, one to point, count I took a tally. Out. I had my notebook and That's I was like, so I want to count because there's so many. I think this will be an interesting fact. There were 16 F words in one take. That's why you get paid. Uh, the big that, bucks. that includes Huntress, Black Canary, uh, Cass, they're calling her cats Cassandra Kane. Yeah. Um, uh, Harley Quinn and and Renee Montoya. Between those six characters, there are 16 F words in one take. Then they said something in like one of the producers, Brian Unculus, Unculus, sorry, Brian, if you're watching. Uh, <laughs> but he said, like, oh, we're just kind of shooting and then we'll do, we'll find out what the movie is when we edit it. There's just no version of a 16 F word scene that you can edit out the F word. I don't I, like And in the trailer that we got, they have to release a red band show for this. And I think the anticipation of this movie is not that high. I don't see like tr- a tremendous reaction from people when we post stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't see tremendous excitement on social media. There is a, a pocket of social media that is very excited, but it's a pocket. Whereas Wonder Woman is bigger. Black Widow is bigger than both of those. I feel like because it's part of the MCU and I think it just gets that advantage. Whereas Birds of Prey, I'm surprised isn't getting huge excitement when when new trailers and photos and stuff come out. But when they drop that red band trailer and she's not saying Harley freaking Quinn, she's saying yeah. Harley expletive Quinn. Like it literally says on her shirt in on the set is her shirt says Harley effing Quinn like spelled out. So I think once they embrace that, we will, people will start getting excited. Yeah, and there's new details we learned that. Yeah, that, yeah. that would make people happy. Like there's going to be a black mask, Black mask. He's actually going to be wearing a black mask. Yeah. Like, why are they hiding this stuff? Uh, why don't they just come forward and show us all the things we want to see? Yeah, I mean, it has been kind of a questionable marketing approach because what we're kind of hearing is that this is going to be a lot crazier and zanier than we've seen with Harley trying to narrate this thing and kind of presenting that narrative structure in, in a trailer would be really great and interesting. Yeah. Um, also, that black mask is going to be kind of like an unhinged psycho who actually does kill people and wear a black mask menacing villain you want to put that in there like all of that stuff is stuff we really should be seeing now it, but uh we'll I, see i mean it's, it's still gonna, time. what's interesting to me is that it, it, more so than even embracing the comics i think it's embracing like the animated stuff yeah because like there were props like there was a pinata bomb which was a dodgeball wrapped in yarn and candy and it's an explosive yeah so like cool. I, my question though on that like it sounds really cool and i'm very excited that they're doing that and to play devil's advocate with my own excitement is is this going to end up like the Lion King where it works better because it's animated? You know what I mean? Like does making it live no, action. I think one of the things that stood out, you mentioned it when we saw the trailer was her in the car with Cassandra and saying, can you toss yeah. this, the dynamite? And they toss it in the car behind them, yeah. like blows up. That's very animated. Yeah, that's a very exactly. yeah. Yeah. And it works. It really is. It works. I think the animated stuff is going to be the stuff that actually works. I hope so. I mean, there is... Batman the Animated Series did all this. There is unreliable, this kind of Rashomon. I almost got him, which is like mm-hmm. one of the most famous... Batman stories period from the animated series where all the villains are sitting around a table yeah, telling the stories about how they almost caught Batman these times. 
um, with a big twist at the end, which is awesome. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and this is kind of like that. And this is kind of even making fun of in a way of Suicide Squad in a way that it kept just telling the same introductory yeah. like stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. Kind of taking that and turning it in a fun way to have Carly purposefully doing that. Yeah. Like these are all good things that are baked into this thing. I honestly just don't think they've had it together in the can yet. I think that approach to we'll just find this movie always ends a disaster. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's why they, but they, they've gotten uh, Chad Stahelski in there to do the action. It seems to I mean, be we've, testing we've better. We've heard the good things about the reshoots improving yeah. the movie. I so, don't know what the, like that's what, that's interesting that you bring that up because what they, the one thing that they really wouldn't tell us anything about was the story of the movie. Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't tell us what this movie was about while we were on set. And so, I mean, that's not really all that uncommon. A lot of times they will keep things from you as a means to prevent you from getting spoilers. But I mean, they wouldn't really tell us anything wow. about the story. I think part of the, the reason why, because you brought up like you don't you see a very small pocket like it's a and and Birds of Prey as a big Birds of Prey fan has a it's a cult following. Yeah. Right? It's a, it's a very much a cult following anyway. But this doesn't feel like a Birds of Prey movie. And I think that could be <laughs> no, one doesn't. of the difficulties. And my theory is growing ever since I've heard about Harley being the narrator is that Harley's really going to end up in Gotham City Sirens. That's really what's going to happen. Mm. After this, they'll do or they have now a Catwoman. Mm -hmm. They'll have a Harley Quinn. They just need a Poison Ivy. Like they'll do Gotham City Sirens because Birds of Prey is really about a team of Gotham City female heroes. Yeah. Gotham yeah. City Sirens is their counterpart. God, they're Gotham City's female yeah. villains. So it was always a question like, what the hell is this a Birds of Prey movie with Harley Quinn? And I think it's going to be Harley Quinn telling the story about how she had this awesome yeah. adventure and team up with the Birds of Prey. <laughs> but at the end of the movie, we might find out like them being like, nah, like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> nah, like not at all. Like, and that, and that, you're not hanging out with us. Like you got to go. And that'll be like the sad ending that kind of comes in the trailer where she's drinking in a bar. And she's yeah, like, no, that would be I awesome. Would, I would absolutely adore yes, that because then too. it would explain why Batgirl is not in this at all. Exactly. Because Batgirl is the leader, is supposed to be the leader of this team. Wow. If they develop her solo movie, yeah. you get this time to then do a Gotham City Sirens in between, and then you bring, if you want to bring these And that was the back, thing, the rumor, yeah. that the third film would be a crossover. Between. Uh, yeah, it would be like Birds vs. Sirens, which is... Which would be great. With the, with the female so heroes versus great. female villains. And so I think this unreliable narrator will end with Harley like being revealed like, no, this isn't my team. This isn't my space. I would love that. And she goes off. And if they had a cameo like a somebody they introduced like a Poison Ivy or Zoe Kravitz's oh, Catwoman yeah. oh my or something gosh, like that. Yes. There's like, no way Zoe Kravitz is Catwoman. No, of course not. Oh, I yeah, mean, it's too late. To say. It's too yeah. late in the process, of course. There's but I'm saying just, if something like that, that would be kind of interesting. Or just it would, I would be super some, some kind of setup to say there is a place for you. In yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I, that's what that's one thing for me is another. I mean, you. It's no secret. Everybody who listens to this and everybody in this room knows I'm such a continuity snob. But like, that's the thing is like, I'm excited for each of these DC movies to be good. But then like one after the other, it just seems like they're trying to do something else. And it's like, wait, is this relevant to what's coming? Because I get more excited by knowing if I enjoy this Birds of Prey movie, that's great news because then I'm going to really care about the Suicide Squad after yes. it. And then I'm really going to care about Batgirl after that. Whereas right now it seems like, well, you're just going to enjoy this movie and then why we don't know yet. And that's why yeah. like Marvel that, is more is successful bit, in that and DC needs to do that as well. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're trying to. I don't know. They're, they've worked. Like their movies have been good as individual as isolated. Yeah. Like Aquaman was good because it, he didn't. they didn't try to force in other stuff. Shazam was good because they didn't try to force in mm -hmm. connections to other stuff. Joker, I loved it, but that was the definition of isolated. Yeah. So I feel like they're doing that. And I mean, when we were on set, they were like tried to distance it from Suicide Squad Oscar award winning Suicide Squad, mind you. Uh, 
so much that they literally wouldn't name it. They referred to it as the other movie. Oh, wow. That's just ridiculous. Wow. Wow. Give a little ridiculous yeah, that. It happened. You made a lot of Brutal. money and got an Oscar. Yeah, you can yeah, name the good. movie. Like, yeah, right. they were but that Brutal. does make me feel better. If I hope good things for this movie, because I would like to see Black Canary and Huntress used in other stuff. But also, it's the same writer who's writing Batgirl. Batgirl. Yeah. So if this comes together in some way, yeah. I'll feel better Same. about right. Batgirl. But then does it, it brings, does it go on to the Suicide Squad and then it's something else with Harley where are we just going to disregard that when Batgirl happens? Like, I don't Yeah, I, I don't mean, know. this is what's got to be answered in 2020. Yeah. yeah. So this will be, and I think the marketing will kick up right after. I think they're going to wait till after the holiday movie season. They have to release a Red Band trailer. Yeah, and I think have like to. right after Star Wars is out of the way and all that stuff yeah. is that dull time after Christmas and we're all like dead and Depressed. huddled inside and yeah and it's dark outside Ain't then you start much. the marketing blitz drop yeah. that red band get the year started right like go and i feel it. like that release date is great for it i feel yeah. like it, february is it, yeah. no oh, yeah, great a great yeah. spot yeah. you got that weekend then you got valentine's day weekend yeah. the weekend after perfect for that yeah so all right that's birds of prey that's brandon's report from the set hopefully it all comes together to take us home today matt you know what time it is yeah. it's comics time well, we're all getting taken uh, home. i got a lot to fit in here so uh i'm gonna run through a couple of these uh first off we mentioned it earlier uh i don't know if you had a chance to read it so Dark Knight Returns, The Golden Child, number one. No, I saw it. I haven't popped it open yet. <laughs> so this is a one shot from Frank Miller, uh, and it's set in that same universe. It's set after uh, Master Race, which was the last one. So, you know, Carrie is Batman or Batwoman uh, in this case, and you're, and you're meeting Jonathan Kent, who is this, like, weird child prodigy, can do all these amazing things. Uh, I'm not going to go into spoilers, of course, uh, too much here. This is a... I mean, Frank Miller stuff tends to be pretty, uh, there's always topical stuff in, in these, these make, I mean, there are, they're having some mayoral race. Uh, so I think it's a governor race or something. So it's not the presidential race, but there are Trump pictures of Trump all throughout this book. Like what? this book does not shy away from that at wow. all. So if you were not looking for that if in you, your, you know, all you comics, people who claim, you know, comic books shouldn't have politics in them. Don't like, read yeah, this. Don't read this. this. It's all like, it is. Hey, like, don't send us letters. Yeah. Cause we're just telling yeah. you, please I'm just do not bracing you. Don't we're go on iTunes, marking us down. Yeah. Nice Hammer us. and nail though. Nothing subtle. This is, it's all over this book. But as a, as a story, this is actually one of the first ones in a while for, of this universe. And from, I didn't really dig, Maceration. No, God. Uh, this, I actually like it. And it's a one shot, one and done. So 52 pages, you're in and out. I actually like it. Limited Frank Miller is good, Frank Miller. Uh, so yeah, definitely check that out. Uh, Batman Curse of the White Knight. Again, this is the Joker struggling with his uh, kind of more human persona, Jack Napier, who kind mm. of comes out. You know, uh, in previous issues, we've learned that like he has two children with Harley Quinn, uh, and she's kind of trying to coax the that sane side out because she hasn't given up on him and it's a really interesting story and then also ties back into all this stuff in like the past about the Waynes and how they came into power and there's a lot of really interesting stuff here so definitely check that out it's issue number five uh detective comics number 1017 uh the last few issues of this have been fine but i i ended up reading this issue and then i was i kind of after the fact i was like man that was really good like that just came out of nowhere and it turns out tom taylor wrote this issue of batman just on a whim, I guess. I don't know why, because uh, typically Tomasi is the writer. So uh, if you're looking just for a great single issue of Batman, this is great. Um, also, Far Sector number two, the coolest Green Lantern like in so long. She's right. awesome. This this issue is, again, this is the same one where uh, they're on that planet where they haven't had a crime in so long that they're it's it's like 
Green Lantern and CSI like merge together. There's a lot of investigative stuff. She's just a really cool lead. If you're looking for a Green Lantern book that feels fresh and new, this is definitely the one. Uh, Superman number 18. Uh, no spoilers here because there is actually some big stuff that happens in this issue. Uh, this is the best issue of Bendis Superman so far. This is a great, since Bendis took over the Superman books that kind of had not been sold. Uh, this is just a great issue. If you're looking for an issue that kind of epitomizes what Superman can be, that that hope, that finding, uh, you know, uh, meaning and, and humanity in people's lives. This is a great issue for that. So but definitely Matt, check it's so that. hard to make Superman relevant today. And, and it, this issue, <coughs> I think, does a great job of that. I think this yeah. issue does a great job. He doesn't break necks. I ain't reading it. <laughs> no necks are broken. Spoiler, <laughs> no necks are broken. Uh, Teen Titans Judas Contract, uh, number one. This is the Dark Multiverse series of books. So they put that kind of unique evil spin. So this is takes, there's, there's one scene that like, there's a couple, a lot of people die in this book, just no spoilers on who, but a lot of people die in these books, these dark multiverse takes. Uh, this one is a really interesting spin because it kind of comes from a decision made out of compassion, not of just typically these things are like someone dies and then sets the whole thing off or changes everything. This is very different. So I like the approach. So if you're looking for that, check it out. Captain Marvel number 13. Uh, we are part two of the last Avenger arc. This issue has a lot of answers as to why in the previous issue she beheaded Thor and was attacking the other Avengers. So a lot of stuff comes up for that. Uh, Fallen Angels number three. Uh, I'm mentioning this because uh, we we always talk about, we'll, we'll talk about it next episode uh, with all the other X-Books. There's three more this week. Uh, wow. <laughs> but uh, along with New Mutants uh, and X-Force uh, are the other ones. But uh, this issue is, to me, the worst issue of this series oh, no. so far. <laughs> Oh, no. I'm typically not. And that's saying something. I'm typically Man. not negative, uh, but I didn't like this at all. At least you're telling. Well, at least we know it's yeah. going away. So uh, I also didn't like the, the art. The there's salvageable parts of like the story, uh, but the art is just terrible. I, I don't know what happened. Like someone. At least this book is going away. <laughs> I was not a fan. Uh, Marvel's Avengers Iron Man number one is a prequel comic to the upcoming game that's coming uh, to consoles next year. So if you're into that, check that out. Uh, Strike Force number four. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 100. So if you are a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan, if you've been 100. reading that, I know Jamie's been a, a huge fan of the series. Uh, this has actually been one of those, like, I feel like it's kind of not talked about enough and underrated. Uh, 100 is really good, so definitely check it out. D&D uh, Infernal Tides, number one. If you are a tabletop fan like me, <laughs> uh, Dynamite has a new series for that as well. Uh, Go Go Power Rangers, number 26. Of course. Gotta rep the Power Rangers. Uh, Hellmouth, number three, is the Angel Buffy event. That's been getting really interesting. Uh, Red Mother, number one, is a new horror series from Boom Studios, which is essentially about someone uh, going through a really horrific accident where they lose their eye. Uh, but when they get a new one implanted, they start seeing all this really crazy stuff. It's kind of, they're like being able to see the spirit world Ooh, and see all this stuff. So interesting interesting. People. Uh, and then uh, for those who like the magicians, uh, the show, uh, they're actually doing a spinoff sequel comic in Boom Studios. So if you like the magicians, magicians number two is out now. So that is your comic minute. Nice. All right, Matt, thank you. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. If you're just now getting into the show, we put in new episodes every Wednesday, every Friday on comicbook.com where you can subscribe to our RSS feed or you can catch them on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Google Playlists. You can tell your Amazon Alexa devices to fire up Comic Book Nation Podcast or find us on YouTube. If you want to continue the conversation about anything we talked about, hit us up at the hashtag Comic Book Nation or you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at MyAguilarCB. And you can find me at Janelle Wheeler on all socials and I'm also on Twitch playing your favorite video games. 
And Mr. Brandon Davis, you want to shout it out from the corner over there? Oh, you can find me at Brandon Davis BD. Uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> That'll do it. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, we'll be seeing you guys next episode. Until then, we out. Deuces.